There he goes. One of God's own prototypes. A high-powered mutant of some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, and too rare to die. Welcome to episode 110 of the Digital Freemason Podcast for the week of August 3rd, 2009. I'm your host, Scott, and I'll be taking along my excellent adventures through the world of short Masonic educational papers. As always, this and all other papers are available at the website, www.thedigitalfreemason.com. I encourage you to swing by and check it out. This week's episode is a little bit lengthy, but I think it uh, bears needing, and it's probably something that we all should have been working on here for the past year. And the reason I say that is September 15th is the worldwide release of Dan Brown's new book, The Lost Symbol, which is a continuation of the Angels and Demons and Da Vinci Code series and has a lot to do with Freemasonry as as sort of the core subject of the book this time. And I think that I've been promoting for at least a year, year and a half around my area as to what are we doing to prepare for the media attention that's coming on. But this one deals a little bit less with that issue and deals more with just getting Freemasonry out into the public and known as to what it is that we're doing. This piece comes from the Masonic Service Organization and gives out some sort of outlines as to what you can do to at least get started with Masonic Public Relations. So we'll get started here with Masonic Public Relations. There was a time when the multitudes made paths to the door of the man who made the best mousetrap. Those were the days when a product or service was its best advertisement. In keeping with the general state of affairs, Freemasonry's greatest salesman was, and still is, the proper living standards of its individual members. In those early days, communities were small, activities were limited in numbers and variety, and everyone knew his neighbor and what was going on in the area. The number of distractions were few, and there was not many groups, as we have today, all competing for attention. With the passing years, there have been many changes, though. As a result, there is a need for expanding our point of view to fit into the current scene. There is an apparent need for the engaging and dignified public relations activities. We are all familiar with the work of the early publicity artists and their creations of incidents that were sometimes grotesque and shocking, merely to attract public attention. These things can be defined as publicity, and the method used certainly were neither suitable nor advocated for use by Freemasonry. With the multiplication of consumer products, advertising came into existence. The need to tout the product and proclaim its merits became an established business practice. This manner of advertising is not suitable and not advocated for use by the craft. From time to time, there have been voices within the craft urging the fraternity change its method of operation and adopt some of the practices of the service groups and the tactics of the marketplace to attract attention to increase membership. These well-meaning members have always failed to recognize that Freemasonry is a unique organization, which is selective in its membership, and is neither suitable nor intended to be an association for all men. To adopt the program suggested, we would change the basic characteristics of Freemasonry. It would lose its unique position, and would no longer be recognized as Freemasonry. It is clear that we must not engage in acts of publicity or advertise what we have. The concept of public relations is, however, of a different nature. Public relation activities may be defined as doing things which advise the public of the nature of our organization, what we are doing, what we have done, who our members are, and what we are doing to make this a better world in which to live. These programs will tell the world where we stand 
insofar as our loyalty to our government is concerned, and inform our neighbors of some of the aspects of our fraternity that are unknown to them. In a sense, Masonic public relations is an educational process. It should inform the members of our families, our friends, and our neighbors of the nature of Freemasonry and what activities it is engaging in. Any other benefits will be purely coincidental. A reading of Masonic history discloses that the craft for many years enjoyed an enviable prestige. Its members were the leaders of the community. Its work was known and recognized by all. And the leadership of our fraternity was undisputed. Some of this has eroded as a result of the fast-paced life of a modern day living and the many forces competing everywhere for one's time, one's attention, and one's support. We must not forget that there are groups that are opposed to Freemasonry. The members of these opposition groups are easily led into believing that many unfolded accusations about the craft solely because the listening members are ignorant of the true nature of the gentle craft. Since we have been keeping our light under a bushel for much too long, the charges that we are a secret society, that we have secret aims, and that we are engaged in conspiracy against all religions and established governments are accepted by the members of those opposition groups as well as by others. An informed public will be less likely to take the charges made against us seriously and will recognize them for what they are, accusations made to serve the selfish purpose of the group making those accusations. The established practice of the craft is not to engage in debate with the opponents has proved beneficial over the years, but it does sometimes leave our neutral friends and neighbors wondering about the silence. Good public relations will incidentally ease these kinds of thoughts. The purpose of public relation activity is not intended to be a means of advertising for new members. This would be a violation against our well-established rule against soliciting non-members to join the craft. What cannot be done directly should be done indirectly. Good public relations may stimulate the idea in some men that we represent what we are doing in a way that we have been seeking to do it. This would be a periphery benefit. In all likelihood, these same people would sooner or later have been attracted in some way if we had happened to have that which they are seeking. It is emphasized and re-emphasized that we do not engage in publicity stunts, bizarre activities to secure attention, or do anything which is undignified, contrary to Masonic laws, or custom which would tend to be a discredit to the craft. We recognize that in the world today, newspapers, magazines, radio stations, television stations, and the news commentators are always on alert to report events that are taking place and activities of persons and groups. These are the instruments used in public relations activities. When we decide to engage in Masonic public relations, these tools must be understood so, they, so that they can be used. When we supply these sources with information, we are helping them. We are helping the general public receive information. We are taking our place in today's world. Since there is much competition in this field, we would like to discuss some of the things that would make these activities successful. At the outset, a decision must be made whether the Masonic public relations work shall be done at the lodge level, district level, or at a community level. This will depend a great deal on the local conditions. It will depend on the size of the community, the area covered by the newspapers, radio, and television stations in that area. It will also depend on the nature of the projects or programs. After the scope has been decided, a public relations officer or committee should be appointed by the Worshipful Master or other governing bodies, depending on the nature of the effort. The Masonic public relations officer or committee should be selected with care. The officer should be well qualified in the use of the English language, have a pleasant personality, know how to talk with people, and have an adequate educational background. 
be a person of sound judgment, and have some knowledge of the communications field. The first matter the Masonic Public Relations Officer should study and consider is if the objective of the craft in the area is being served. He must be completely informed as to the projects and programs planned with the other community groups so that all these efforts will be blended properly. He will next need to study what tools are available in Masonic Public Relations, making a list of all the general and Masonic newspapers and magazines in the area, as well as the radio and television stations. One must not forget that there are many industries or business houses in the area that have what are known as house organs, which welcome news about what is going on in the community along the lines of patriotic activities. There may also be trade journals circulating in the area. One must not overlook that there are business places, school bulletin boards, grocery store bulletin boards, and factory bulletin boards that welcome short news about items relating to the area. A study must be made of each item on the list. The format of the publication, the nature of coverage, and the style used must be all be considered. They must also give specific attention to the person involved in each item under consideration. For example, the radio station's commentator style should be studied and an interview with him might be in order. If the local television station has an interview style programs, they should be given careful consideration. If the local newspaper has a column that deals with society news, club news, and related subjects, this columnist should be interviewed as well for the style used in his column. There is no substitute for personal contact. Each editor should be contacted for the view and get acquainted, telling him of our objectives, and listen carefully to his point of view and his requirements such as deadline dates, format, policy, and other items. When you start the actual work, you'll find that your material will fall into three categories. News releases of things to come, news reports of past events, and past or present reports relating to people. It is essential that such news items cover the following well-established areas in the first paragraph, who is this about? What happened or is about to happen? When did it happen? Why did it happen? How did it take place or is about to take place? Here are some general rules that should be observed in preparing the material. The material should always be submitted in writing. There may be exceptions, of course. For example, if a prominent member of the craft has passed away, you might want to call the editor of the local newspaper to advise him of this fact at once, so that it may be prepared to mention him when he writes a news item. The manuscript should be typed, double-spaced, and on one side of the paper with wide margins. This makes easier reading and the margins will enable the editor to make additions and changes on the face of the document rather than having to retype it for the printer. The easier you make it for the editor, the less changes he must make, the more likely he is going to be to accept and use it. Always use 8.5 by 11 pages. All names must be spelled correctly. This is not only a necessity for correct identification of the person, but it is also bad public relations for the person who reads his name misspelled in a publication. If the editor gets too many complaints about the material, he'll be inclined to throw away all material he receives from you and put it in the wastebasket. All dates, addresses, descriptions of places should be correct. This is especially true in reporting up of coming events. There is no, nothing more frustrating than hearing about a coming event, making note of it, and then making an effort to attend, only to find that you've been given the wrong date or the wrong location. The announcement of future events should be sent in time for the editor to have ample time to include it at the proper location and time. Bear in mind that the editor prepares most material far in advance of the date of publication. Reports of past events should be sent in as soon as possible, irrespective of deadline dates for the publications. Material that arrives after all space has been allocated sometimes never appears in print. 
If the manuscript is sent to a large newspaper or organization, it should be addressed to a specific person or department in order to receive prompt attention and to ensure that it will not be lost being transmitted from department to department. The manuscript should be clearly contain the name, address, and telephone number of the person who is sending the manuscript, as well as the information of the person who will be contacted if additional information is desired or there is a need for clarification of some of this. Wherever possible, it is advisable to send pictures of persons or events. This makes the article more attractive and more likely to be accepted. For example, if the article deals with a colonial play, a picture of one of the actors dressed in a colonial attire will make it more likely that this item will be accepted and used. Black and white glossy pictures are the, usually the best. Never apologize for sending the manuscript. If this is necessary, it is best that the manuscript is not presented at all. Keep a copy of every manuscript that is sent to anyone. Should a dispute arise later as to any mistake having been made, it will help determine who made the mistake. Be cooperative at all times with those who are sent material. Never get angry if the material is not used. You never know the actual circumstances at the time the manuscript is received. Bear in mind that you will have a great deal of competition for the space. If after a few tries without success, it might be well to drop over for a friendly visit with the editor. You might diplomatically inquire about the night material and ascertain if there is something wrong with it. Bear in mind that the editor wants material. He needs material, and he needs help with it, and that you are not asking for any favors, but merely to learn in what way you have failed to fit his requirements. In sending items to radio and, and television stations, brevity is of an essence. You may have to write and rewrite the item so that there is not one unnecessary word in the statement. The shorter, the better it is, and more likely to be accepted than used. Prepare the manuscript in a form that can be used as is or with very few corrections. Rarely will a manuscript be ac accepted if it needs major overhauling. And finally, as an example, if you send a manuscript advising the editor of a program with a speaker, be sure to cover at least the name of the group sponsoring the meeting, the address of the organization or of its officers, the specific place where the meeting will take place, the specific date and hour of the meeting, the name of the speaker, and the identity of the speaker, the title or subject of his talk. So, as I said, that was a rather lengthy bit, a little longer than normal, but I think it's important to take a look as to what it is that we can do to bring Freemasonry back into the spotlight without making major changes or innovations, but we need to start taking a look at what we can do to apply some 21st century tools to, as it relates to getting our name back out in the public so people are aware of us. I know I've run into situations where, actually it's mostly men that don't know what Freemasonry is, but I've been attracted by women who have said, oh, you're a Mason. So I'm not sure why it is that women that I run with know more about Freemasonry than the men that I run with, but maybe that's just an anomaly in the, in the people that I know. Other things you can do is just, if you have a website at your lodge, make sure it's a good quality website and promote the heck out of it, is another easy way of doing it that uh, doesn't take much effort, much time, or much cost. So that's been uh, the episode for this week. I've been your host, Scott, and I've enjoyed our time together. And as always, I love hearing from you at podcast at thedigitalfreemason.com and encourage you to swing by and check out all the other episodes, as well as I've had a couple donations come, out, come in in the last few months, which is always handy and helps me uh, defray some of the costs of providing this service to the thousands of listeners that we have, as well as uh, buy a little bit of new equipment like this new microphone. So until next time, be sure to keep the shiny side up.